0: Well, good morning and welcome. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Psalm chapter one hundred and twenty-one. One hundred and twenty-one. Uh, from Psalm one twenty all the way to Psalm one thirty-four, uh, there is a kind of a grouping of psalms that, that are called the psalm, the songs of ascents. Now, uh, these songs uh, were sang uh, by the Jewish pilgrims as they traveled to Jerusalem. Or the annual feasts, feasts like the Feast of Unleavened Bread or Pentecost or, or booths. Uh, as they traveled, they weren't traveling on, on roads per se. There was more uh, like well-trodden or well-worn paths. And so, as you might expect, uh, a trip like that, uh, there would have been a concern about safety, right? a concern about uh, getting there without injury. Uh, but as these travelers uh, would come close to the city of Jerusalem, uh, though they were weary and certainly probably sore from, from traveling the way they did, um, when the the when the hills that surrounded the city came into view, uh, this may have been a psalm that they would have sang. And we'll, we'll see why here. L- listen to to the the verse uh, the verses here. Just eight verses here, but listen to them. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Would you pray with me? God, uh, I'd ask that you would help us to to understand better today this, uh, this short psalm. Uh, This song sung by uh, travelers on their way to the city of Jerusalem. Uh, What they might have been uh, thinking about in some ways, what this song might be alluding to for their specific situation, but God also uh, what we can apply and understand uh, for us today, for the Christians um, of the New Testament. God, would you give us understanding? Would you help me? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, the theme of this short psalm, as you you heard it read, is is one of, of God's protection over His people. Uh, we see a word repeated um, several times. Actually, uh, some of your Bibles translate it differently, uh, but in the Hebrew, it's it's the same word, and it's repeated some six times. Again, the the word is 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 uh, keep. Um, that's the the. Uh, how the Hebrew word would be translated, but there's other ways too uh, like watches over or protects would all would, would all of those would be um, different ways of saying the same uh, the same word. Now we also notice something else that that 's uh, happening here in this text is that in verses one and two, the psalm writer is writing in a first person he says "I and my." Uh, and then in verses three through eight, we see a shift, and he begins talking in um, "you" and "your" pronouns. Um, and we might wonder what what is happening there. Why why was he talking in the first person, and now he's talking uh, to to someone else? It, it seems. Well, one one of the ideas here is that there's an internal dialogue going on for the psalmist. And we see this elsewhere in in a place like Psalm chapter forty two, verse five. Um, where the psalmist writes this, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in tor- turmoil within me? The second part says this, hoping God, for I shall again praise him, uh, my salvation. So it's this this back and forth, kind of almost in his own, own heart that he's kind of speaking to himself um, in an in internal way. Uh, the second idea there is that the psalmist is is. First of all, speaking to himself, as we see in verses 1 and 2. But then in verses 3 through 8, he is speaking to others. That's another way that we could understand uh, this psalm too. Nevertheless, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist begins by assuring himself of the Lord's help. Let's do it again. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes to the Lord who made heaven and earth. Uh, this is a, the first stanza of the psalm. You'll see how the psalm breaks down into these two-verse couplets as we go through, t- totaling four, four stanzas. But this, this first stanza, this, the psalmist um, sees the Lord as his, his helper. Uh, the, the one who provides him help is the Lord. And the psalmist looks to the hills, it says in verse 1, and asks, From where does my help come? Right, um, it's unlikely that what the singer had in mind as he said these words was that the the actual hills, the physical hills, were actually going to protect him. That's that's unlikely. That that's what he meant. Um, we do know this about those hills: that there were apostate Jews who who worshipped other gods and who had shrines that were in the hills, or the, the high places, as Jeremiah um, would would say, Jeremiah 3. Um, instead, so instead of those things, instead of looking to actually the hills, or looking to the apostate uh, shrines for help, uh, man's ways, that would, we could say, uh, the singer is instead looking to, uh, to Jerusalem. You see, on those, those hills, uh, stood another uh, place of worship, stood a city, Jerusalem, the, the city of God, the location of the temple, the place that God had chosen to dwell with his people. Psalm chapter 87, verse 1 says, On the holy mount stands the city he founded. Chapter 25, verses 1 and 2 Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. So this psalmist looks and, and sees in the distant uh, distance uh, this um, this help, right? And again, not specifically the physical, but he's looking for what that represents. And he says, my help comes from who? From the Lord who made heaven and earth. Earth. See, these faithful were not looking to hills, but beyond. Or we could say above the hills to God. The God who made here heaven and earth. Right? They were looking to the God who made the hills, not the hills themselves. They were not looking to the creation, but to the creator. See, neither hills nor the false gods of the apostate Jews could provide help. None of those could... Some of those promised that, but they could not actually provide it. The protection that these travelers needed could only be provided by the Lord. The protection that you and I need can only be provided by the Lord. Ultimately, the Lord is our help. Now, let let this psalm serve us in two ways. I want to invite you into this. Uh, First, to see this as a metaphor, this idea of journeying. This idea of traveling, this idea of looking for help. Let's serve as a metaphor for for our current moments. This season for our church may at times feel like we're on on a journey, right? Like we're we're pilgrims. We're we're traveling along, awaiting to gather with the people of God. Specifically, our, our whole church family for worship we might be able to identify with this a little bit, this sense of traveling. But secondly, let this serve also as a reminder that we are not home yet. Our pilgrimage, our ultimate pilgrimage, is not to a regathered local church, but to the gathering of the people of God in the city of God. You see, neither FBC uh, nor America is the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is the place where God will dwell with man, where righteousness reigns, where the gathered saints of God worship the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world forever and ever. That's our ultimate end to this pilgrimage. So as we hear this, yes, we, we certainly think about our life. Yes, we think about our, our current moment, but we're thinking about, spiritually speaking, that we are on this, this pilgrimage, not, not to a physical location, but ultimately to the, the city of God. One writer says, the thought of this verse, meaning verse two, leaps beyond the hills to the universe. Beyond the universe to its maker, here in the maker is the living help. Primary, personal, wise, and immeasurable. That was the help for these travelers is the help for you and me today. The Lord is our help. Beginning of verse 3, we see how this internal dialogue moves from you and your, uh, to you and your. As the psalmist gives assurance assurance here in verses 3 and 4 of the Lord's concern. Look at it. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. In verse 3, he says, he will not let your foot be moved. Now That word move means to to slip or to slide, to, to stagger. Uh, as pilgrims traveling, slipping and falling would have been a real a real concern. in In the Old Testament, uh, this idea of of losing your footing expressed disaster. It was not just a physical disaster. It, it expressed this idea of of getting uh, wiped out, of of falling down, both not not only physically, but your life um, falling apart. But more than just slipping or, or falling physically. Um, We understand that there's a spiritual stumbling that, that can be in view here. But what we find is that he will not let your foot be moved. God enables us not to stumble. Timothy Keller says, An ounce of sin can harm us more than a ton of suffering. An ounce of sin can harm us more than a ton of suffering. Sin can harden our hearts so we lose everything. But suffering, handled rightly, can make us wiser, happier, and deeper. What we find here is that God is concerned for us, and he won't let us fall. As we follow him, he enables us. Listen to Jude 24, 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, and to, uh, to the only God, This is verse 25. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. This God is able to keep us from stumbling. He here is pictured as a a vigilant watchman watching over his people. He is the one who keeps. He is the one who guards. He is the one who protects us. God watches over us because, what do we see next? That he neither slumbers nor sleeps. Unlike pagan gods, and you think back to, to Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how they were calling for Baal to, to act and they couldn't. And uh, Elijah even kind of mocks them about him him taking a, taking a nap. That he, um, God never, sleeps. He never slumbers. That's what makes God God. That's what makes you and me not God. One of the things anyways, that we need sleep. Sleep reminds us that we're not God, right? First Peter chapter 3 verse 12 says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He sees. His ears are open to their prayer. He hears. In the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He acts. God sees God hears, God acts. Why? Because we are his personal concern. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Because we are his personal concern. Not only is God concerned for his people, he is also present. Look at verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Uh, Verse 3 expresses the real danger of stumbling. But here in the third stanza, verses 5 and 6, we see uh, the dangers of of the day and the night. So in the the Near East, there was a real threat of sunstroke. That was a real thing. So the sun will not strike you by day. Uh, Additionally, uh, the psalmist identifies the danger of the moon. So not only will the sun not strike you by day, nor will the moon by night. Now, <clears throat> this probably seems weird to, to us, right? Why why would the moon striking me uh, be dangerous? That doesn't seem like a thing, right? Uh, well, one thought is is this: is that as as the heat as the heat of day was dangerous, so too was the cool of night, and so there may be in view here this danger of the extreme temperatures. Uh, But also what we find is this word, moon. This word, moon, uh, we find in the Latin is the word luna, uh, from which we get words like uh, lunatic or lunar. Uh, Lunatic meaning mentally ill. Um, There was an ancient belief that the moon rays could disorder the mind. Mentally ill, right? You would your, your thinking would not be right. You would not be in your right mind. Um, so this physical exhaustion of heat stroke and this moonstruck of of your, your not thinking properly. So we have the body and the mind in play here. Uh, but also uh, we find this when we said that that the word luna comes from the word lunar or come, lunar comes from the word luna. Uh, we read this, L- listen to this uh, statement from, Warren Wearsby. The Jewish people followed a lunar calendar, so it, when you read the Bible and you you hear um, something about a new moon, like that's that's a marker, that's a, a a way of of keeping time or keeping track. So the the writer here was referring to days when he talks about the sun, and to months when he talked about the moon. So from dates, so so basically, Wearsby says this. From day to day, from month to month, from season to season, from year to year, our Father is with us in the many challenges and uh, changes of life, end quote. So, so when uh, the writer says uh, that, he won't, that the sun won't strike you by day nor the moon by night, what is being said here is that the Lord is, is covering us. Back in verse, verse 5, he is your shade. Uh, it's in him that we find safety. It's in his presence that we find this spiritual uh, refreshment. We could say it this way, that nothing, day or night, nothing visible or nothing hidden, right? Day, night, visible or hidden can harm us if God is keeping guard. So what this amounts to is this, this around-the-clock protection. Isn't, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> isn't that so encouraging to your heart? That when you lay it down, your body at night, when you put your head on your pillow, that God is still on duty. And when you wake up and you think, it's my, my turn to get off and, and do things. No, God is still on duty. He never sleeps nor slumbers. Um, this does not mean, however, that there is an absence of pain. That could not be true whether it's physical or whether it's emotional. But instead, what it means is that there is the presence of God with his people. You've heard the hymn, how firm a foundation goes like this. When through fiery trials, thy thy pathway shall lie. My grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. We'll talk more about this in a minute, but, but all that to, to say this, that throughout life, God is with us. Right? He is our protection, he is our covering, he is our shade from the harm that would come to us. Verses 7 and 8 offer a final assurance of God's long-term care. Look at it in verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. First, we see the Lord will keep you from all evil. That is anything that could harm you. Anything that could harm you, God turns for good. Right? And we see this in the Bible. We see this in the Bible. You, you might even be thinking this verse right now of Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. The story of Joseph, where Joseph had, had suffered so much, so much difficulty, so much pain, so much loss. And yet, as it comes to the end of his story, The brothers are concerned about what they have done and how Joseph will respond. And Joseph responds by saying, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Why? To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. The point is that we don't always know why the things that God allows, he allows. But as with the story of of, uh, Joseph, as with the story of Esther. These these are these moments where difficult things, we could say bad things have happened for a greater purpose than we can know. Just because we can't see a reason that something is good doesn't mean there isn't one. God works all things together for good. Even if we can't see it, we can know it. That applies to all of life, even, even this moment. Secondly, here, we see that God will keep your going out and your coming in. Going out and coming in, that's like your daily activity, right? Your regular rhythms of life. God is going to keep that. But then he says this, from this time forth, so for now, presumably your life on earth, right? And forevermore. So God isn't only keeping you now. He's keeping you forever, forever more. See, God's promises to Israel to help them, to keep them, to protect them, to preserve them, as well as his promises to us that we could look at in the New Testament, have a greater view than just this life. That's what we're seeing, that God's not only caring for us now, but forever. Ever. See, eternal life begins the moment you believe, but it lasts forever. It doesn't start when we die. It begins when we trust him, and it lasts forever. Matthew Henry says, He will be thy guide even unto death, and will then hide thee in the grave, hide thee in heaven. He will preserve thee in his heavenly kingdom. He's with us the whole way. He's with us the whole way. Look back at verses 7 and 8, and we see three times, the Lord will keep you. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and coming in. Some of your Bibles might not use the word keep three times. They might use preserve or watch out, guard, protect, but they all mean the same thing. They're all the same, uh, the basic same uh, Hebrew word. C.H. Spurgeon, Spurgeon uh, gathered from this text this, that uh, it was as if the sacred Trinity thus sealed the word to make it sure. Ought not all our fears be slain with such a threefold flight of arrows? What anxiety can survive this triple promise? God will keep you. May it be true. The psalmist here in these verses expresses an assurance that God always keeps. He always protects. But we must ask at this moment, right? Many of our our minds are are probably generating some questions to say, is that actually true for us? This was a psalm that the the Jews read. This was for, for Israel. Maybe some of you might have questions about if that's true, then, then why did fill in the blank happen? But see, the assurance here in Psalm chapter 121 is not that we won't have problems. That's not the assurance. We know that. Clearly, we have problems. Even the psalmist in verse 1 says, Where's my help come from? is admitting that he needs help. Instead, this promise means th- this in the words of. Uh, Pastor and writer Eugene Peterson. This means that no injury, no illness, no accident, no disaster will have evil power over us that is able to separate us from God's purpose in us. Nothing can separate us. Listen to Paul's words in Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us? From the love of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 36. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor rulers, nor angels, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In this, this is the great assurance of Psalm 121. It's not that we are assured of the absence of problems, but of the presence of the Lord. In C.S. Lewis's story, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, we find uh, the story happens uh, on a ship, uh, sailing uh, on an adventurous journey uh, to find seven missing lords who have been exiled, whose swords uh, are, are believed to be able to save Narnia. In chapter 12, we find them traveling and we find that they're in complete darkness as they travel. And it seems as though they would never get out of the darkness. There does not seem to be an end in sight. Um, Lewis writes this. Lucy led her head over the edge of the fighting top and whispered, Aslan, Aslan, if you ever loved us at all, Send us help now. The darkness did not grow any less, but she began to feel a little, a very little, better. After all, nothing has really happened to us yet, she thought. As you go through the story a little bit later, they see a, a, a tiny speck of light which turns out to be an albatross, uh, a seabird. And it begins to circle the ship three times, and then it proceeds to perch itself on the ship. Lewis continues, it, meaning the, the bird, called out in, the, in a strong, sweet voice that seemed to be words, though no one understood them. But no one except Lucy knew that as it circled the mast, It had whispered to her, courage, dear heart. In the voice, she felt sure was Aslan's. And with the voice, a delicious smell breathed in her face. In a few moments, the darkness turned into grayness ahead. And then, almost before they dared to begin hoping, they had shot out into the sunlight. And they were warm. They were in the warm blue world again. And all at once, everyone realized that there was nothing to be afraid of and never had been. Jesus says before he left his disciples, In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Take courage, take heart. Why? God has overcome the world. God is with you. God is for you. He keeps you. You and I do not need to fear the journey as the journey simply leads us home. (laughs) It leads us home. It leads us to that place where we long to go. The pilgrimage ends with us being with him. That's the great hope of the Christian. Psalm 20, 121 tells us that God protects us and he brings us safely home. Take courage to your heart. Let's pray. Father, would you give us courage today to trust you, to know that you're with us, to know that you're for us? God, maybe there's some who are watching this today and they don't know that confidence. They don't have that assurance. They don't know you as, as their their own, uh, as their, their own uh, savior and Lord. So God, I pray that they might even understand today this assurance is for those who know you and they might uh, come to you in repentance and faith seeking to know you as their savior. Would you save them? God, would you help us as your people to trust you today? Help us to know that you, you are our helper. You're, you help us in ways that, that no one else could ever help us. God, you're concerned about us. Uh, You never sleep nor slumber. You're present with us. You're our shade and our covering. And Father, that you care. You keep us both now and forevermore. And for these things, we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.